You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Abby. And I'm Sarah. Today, we're going to introduce ourselves and our podcast and chat about our college experiences. My name is Abby. I'm a mom and a science writer and a yoga teacher, and I live in North Carolina. My husband, Andrew, is a scientist, and we have a daughter who I'll call Plum, who was born in February of this year. I blog at invitingjoy.net. And I'm Sarah. I live in Bloomington, Indiana with my husband, Neil, and our two children. Our son, HP, is four, and our daughter, E, will be two this month. Uh, Neil is an engineer here in town, and I stay home with our kids. I also blog with varying degrees of frequency at affirmation.com. So that's the brief intro to who we are, and obviously you'll get to know us better as we continue to record. So we decided to start a podcast since we love conversational podcasts. Um, Abby, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes. I can't remember when I got into podcasts, but I have loved them for a long time. And they were especially awesome because I used to commute by bus and I had about a 45 minute commute each way. So it was awesome to have something to listen to. And it was hard for me to read on the bus because I get sick. And podcasts are great because... There are new ones all the time. And one of our favorites is the Girls Next Door podcast, which is produced by um, Kelsey Wharton and Erica Ladd. And it's just two friends sitting around talking. And you wouldn't think that that would be amazing and fun, but it really is. And I'm a huge fan of their podcast, especially. And I introduced Sarah to their podcast. Sarah, do you want to talk a little bit about your initial resistance to podcast listening? Yeah, I was a little skeptical at that time in my life. I didn't really see myself wanting a lot of extra audio input, especially in the form of listening to other people talking. I'm very much an introvert. And so I just didn't think that I would want to be seeking out more voices in my silence. But I have since come around. I also love the Girl Next Door podcast. uh, And I love to listen to podcasts when I'm doing stuff around the house, especially. I don't have a commute, so I do it a lot hanging up laundry or from putting away dishes or cooking dinner. Oftentimes, that's very challenging with the kids to also listen to podcasts, but I managed to find a way. So we thought we enjoy them so much and we really like talking to each other, so we should start a podcast of our own. So we came up with the concept of Friendlier, and we're going to have some consistent segments throughout. It'll be a little life update in the place of what's happening right now. Then we're going to discuss books that we've been reading, have a general topic about something we want to chat about. This week it'll be college experiences. And then we're going to end by talking about a recipe or a certain kind of food that we have been enjoying eating. We picked these topics because these are things that Sarah and I talk about all the time. Um, As you heard in our intros, we don't live in the same place, so we keep in touch mostly by phone. And whenever we have a phone chat, we obviously cover a lot of ground, but things we always, always touch on are what we're reading and what we're eating. So we thought we would bring you listeners into the conversation. We'll release Friendlier every other Thursday, and we have a website, friendlierpodcast.com. And on the website, you can find show notes for each show, as well as a little bit more about us and links to our social media and to our individual blogs. All right, Abby, let's get started talking about what we've been reading lately. What have you been reading? 
Well, Sarah, this won't surprise you because you recommended this book to me, but I've been reading This Is Where You Belong, which is by Melody Warnick. And it's a nonfiction book. And I sort of go back and forth between reading fiction and nonfiction. And this book is about the art and science of loving where you live. I think that's the subtitle. But she just from her own perspective, sort of weaves her own narrative into a story with lots of info about what people know, about what helps people form place attachments. I really like the book. It's an interesting thing to read because we are in a place in our lives where we don't know for sure that we're in our forever place. So we may move once more. My husband is an academic scientist, so it's always possible that we could be somewhere else where there's a job for him. But what reading this book feels like to me is that I I am really attached to the place where we live, which has been a little bit, not sad exactly, but maybe a little bit poignant to realize that. And a lot of the things that she mentions are things that we do already. So we recognize people when we're out and about, we run into people that we know, We have regular meetings with friends. Um, We just started going to a new church. So it's been interesting to reflect on where we are because we may be what she calls leavers. So people who who move around and aren't going to stay in the same place. But I might like to be a person who stays where we are right now. Yeah. And you love the book, Sarah. I did really love the book and I'm in a different position because we moved to Bloomington about a year ago and we do hope this is our forever place and it's the first time in my adult life that I have lived someplace where I don't have the expectation of leaving. Um, Before this we lived in Austin, Texas and even from the outset Neil and I said we're going to be here for about five years and then we're going to be ready to move on because we knew that Austin was going to be too big for us and it was a great career move but it wasn't a place we saw ourselves really putting down roots. So reading her book, knowing that I am in a place where I see myself for a long time, it just made me excited to do a lot of the things she is suggesting. And I feel like we have done a lot of those and that I have been actively working to put down roots, but it made me want to be even more proactive. And reading her book, I did things like sign up for the local paper that we hadn't been getting before. And reading that has made me feel a lot more knowledgeable about what's happening. Um, I sent in a U report, which is a way to report problems that you're experiencing in the community. And it goes to somebody on the city staff for them to address and just feeling like I want to be here and want to be invested. It was a great book for me to read and it affirmed a lot of things that I've been feeling about the place that we chose in a good way. Nice. What are you reading, Sarah? I just finished reading Shrill by Lindy West. And I think the subtitle for her book is Notes from a Loud Woman. And I had The book came to my attention from a podcast you had recommended to me. You can tell that Abby and I trade a lot of recommendations for things. (laughs) But it was a This American Life episode called Tell Me I'm Fat. And Lindy West was one of three people featured on that episode. And it had some quotes and some stories from her book. So I was on hold at the library for the book for about two months. And it finally came through. It was a great book. It's a memoir-style book. It's very similar to Bossy Pants um, by Tina Fey or Is Everybody Hanging Out Without Me by Mindy Kaling, just a collection of essays by comedians. I mean, not necessarily comedians, but they're trying to be humorous as they reflect back on their life, and each chapter can pretty much be taken on its own. When I started Shrill, I wasn't 
too excited about it the first few chapters it was fine but it wasn't really my sense of humor and then as I got into the meat of the book it was great it talks a lot about fat acceptance and what it is like to be fat in our society and what it's like to grow up fat the way you're treated in the workplace um, the way that being fat is one of the few things left in our society where it is socially acceptable to put a moral judgment onto it that somebody is less of a human being because they are fat and that it is their fault and it reflects poorly on their character and having her really parse that out and explain it through the lens of her experience was was really powerful and challenging I definitely recommend the book it's also very short I think I read it over the course of two days that's great and I mean I felt really challenged and like my eyes were open a lot by that podcast Um, so I can only imagine diving in deeper by actually reading her writing would be even more of that which is good yeah and this is a book that my local book club will actually be reading in January so I'm excited to chat about that book with a group of women here locally and we'll also link to both the podcast I just mentioned and both of our the books that we just mentioned So on this episode, we're going to chat about our college experiences, which you will see soon is how we met. So we thought it would be a great topic for our pilot episode for you to hear a little bit more about the place where our friendship was formed and what that part of our lives was like. So Hendricks is a small liberal arts school located in Conway, Arkansas. And there are about 1,100 students that were there when we started. I think now it's a little bit more up to about 1,600. So, Abby, why don't you talk about how you ended up choosing Hendricks College? Well, I'm the firstborn in a family, and we like to um, do things really 100%. So when I was looking at colleges, my mom read this book called 40 Colleges That Change Lives. And I think we visited maybe 30 of those 40 colleges that really? changed lives. Yeah. Um, I did not know you visited so many schools. Yeah. And they're, I mean, they're everywhere. They're all over the Midwest and sort of South and North-ish. We visited a whole bunch of those. And I ended up applying to five of them, all small liberal arts colleges, because I knew that what I wanted was something with really small class sizes where I wouldn't sort of like get lost in things. You know, I didn't want to be one of 200 or 500 people in a freshman lecture. I wanted my student, my professors to know the students and I wanted them to know me. Hendricks was actually um, the closest place that I applied, and Hendricks is about five hours from the Dallas area, which is where I grew up. Most of the places that I applied to were very comparable, you know, in the 1100 to 1700 range of students, you know, all very progressive places, all strong science programs because I wanted to do science, you know, and I think if you've seen one liberal arts college, you've sort of seen them all, (laughs) as I learned (laughs) on my 30 college tour but Hendricks made sense geographically and they did a good job with financial aid so that's how I ended up there okay yeah my story is a little bit different than that so uh, my mom went to Hendricks College and that is actually something that turned me off from it because I very much thought I'm not going to go the same place that my mom did I'm going to do my own thing I looked at probably every college in this country online (laughs) but I did not visit (laughs) 
that many. <laughs> I think I only visited three. So Hendrix was the first one I visited. I grew up in Columbia, Missouri. So it's about six and a half hours from where I grew up. But my uncle lives very close by. He lives in the suburbs of Little Rock. And so on one trip when we were visiting my uncle, my mom suggested we just stop at Hendrix and do a tour. And it was going to be the first one. She said, you'll just have something to compare other schools to, you know, making it very low pressure because she knew that I didn't want to go and I had a bias against going to Hendrix. Um, and then I went and I absolutely loved it. I just felt everybody was really down to earth. I didn't feel like they were overselling their school. I felt that it was very much, we love Hendrix. Here's what we love about it. If it's a good fit for you, we want you to come. And if it's not, we want you to find the place that is. And it felt low pressure. And I loved that. But then being however old I was, 17, I thought, I'm going to love every college as much as this. I'm only loving it because this is the first place I visited. So I'd still had sort of written off Hendrix and then, you know, continued on my way. I also visited Grinnell College, which is similar in Iowa. And that is that one of the many you visited? Grinnell. (laughs) Yes. Nice. Um, And then Truman State, which is a um, a state school in Missouri, but it's smaller. There's only five or 6,000 students there. Um, so it has like some of the aspects. It's not like going to Mizzou, which is what's in Columbia, where I grew up, the huge university. So I only ended up applying to a few. And with Hendrix, I just, I liked it better than the other schools. And it was half the cost and they offered better financial aid. I also loved that there were no fraternities or sororities and there was no football. And that was really appealing to me because those things were not appealing to me. And so I like the idea of being in a small school where that wasn't a dominant aspect of the social culture. Yeah. The fraternities and sorority thing was a huge thing for me as well. Yeah. I did not want them. Yep. And some of the 30 other colleges that I visited had them or had something like that. So even if they didn't have houses on campus, they still were living in dorms or they still were in the groups and people were talking about each other like, oh, she's a theta. And I did not want that social structure in my college experience. Yeah. So my senior year, I was putting off making a decision because I could not decide between going to Truman or going to Hendricks. And I, I mean, it was down to, I think, the the last day, but the month, a couple weeks before you had to put in your final decision. One of my good friends from high school and I took a road trip together and she was looking at roads and I was looking at Hendrix. And so our parents let us take a road trip to go to Memphis and then go to Conway and come back over the course of a weekend. And those are the schools we ended up deciding to go to. And going that last time did confirm for me that that was where I really wanted to go. I struggled with the cost aspect of it, of asking my family to pay more for me to have a certain kind of experience as opposed to going to the state school, which I think we might get into that more a little bit later. But anyway, that's why I picked Hendrix. So let's talk about first week at Hendrix. How did we meet? So Sarah and I lived in the only co-ed dorm at Hendrix as freshmen. So we moved into Couch Hall and I don't know... Sarah, we may have talked about this before, but my high school experience was pretty sheltered. I did not really even know that people were partying and boozing and, you know, smoking weed in high school, though they definitely were, um, you know, at suburban high school in Dallas, for sure. But I didn't know that they were. And I definitely was not invited to those parties where that was happening. So I got to college and I got pretty overwhelmed with 
people my age being drunk and my reaction to it was to sort of like revolt against it and to basically ask everyone that I met whether they drank and if they didn't then I said okay great then we can be friends (laughs) which is like you can imagine how amazing I seemed to, to everyone I met who did drink and so my memory is being on the lawn of the library at Hendrix doing like a freshman mixer with icebreakers so you know we were doing like weird three-legged races red rover type activities and I think I saw Sarah and I was like hey do you drink and she was like no and I was like perfect (laughs) we can be friends that's exactly how I remember it so yeah I moved into couch hall and Hendrix because they they do this whole welcome week thing the freshmen move on earlier onto campus there's orientation you go on orientation trips and I don't remember meeting you during that I remember it after we came back from our orientation trips so for example mine was rock climbing and that's actually where I met your husband Mm -hmm. um, because he was also on my rock climbing orientation trip and you had a good experience on your trip right I did yeah I had a lot of fun I think part of my like strong reaction to people drinking was not really feeling as though I had found my people on my trip and sort of starting to feel really anxious that I wasn't going to and so my 18-year-old self had a very strong reaction to that and maybe took it a little bit to the extreme. Yeah. So I remember exactly what Abby said. I remember her coming up to me and asking me if I drank and I said no. And then we were friends. (laughs) So the rest is history. That's right. (laughs) Spoiler alert. I did start drinking in college. (laughs) Yes, we both did. Yeah. So, okay, let's move on to what we studied in school. So I went into college thinking that I wanted to study biology and do a joint MD-PhD program after college. So I started out as a biology major, and then probably right after my sophomore year, they created a new major at Hendrix, which was biochemistry and molecular biology, which was a better fit because I didn't have to take classes about big-level biology. I wanted to only focus on the small um, stuff. So I was a biochemistry and molecular biology major and took a lot of lab classes, did research, and I also was a French minor. And I came into college thinking that I was going to study languages, which was my favorite thing to study in high school. And I went into the French program there, and I just wasn't thrilled with certain aspects of it. And so I kind of went back to square one and thought, okay, well, I'll just take a lot of those classes you have to take your first year and not make any decisions right now. Some of the classes that I took were in the religion department because I've always found religion really fascinating. And those were my favorite classes. And so I ended up being a religion major that wasn't the best planning for like tons of career prospects immediately upon graduating with my degree. But it was a really great personal experience to think about religion in a broad academic way and really examine my own beliefs through that lens. And I think I'm glad that I studied it. (laughs) Um, I still sometimes wish that I had tried a different language program there if I'd done German or Spanish, but I still got some of that language stuff when I studied abroad. So overall, I, I really loved the religion department. I had some great professors there and it challenged me to, yeah, examine my beliefs. All right. So that's what we studied in school. But what did we do outside of academics? I'll just start with the one that only belongs to me, which is band, represent, French horn playing. Hendrix is such an interesting place and all these small liberal arts colleges are that you end up with lots of people who do lots of different kinds of things. So 
in addition to having academic scholarships at Hendricks, I also had a very small music scholarship, which was awesome. So it meant that I got free French horn lessons and I loved my French horn teacher. And I also played in several ensembles. So I played in band and I played in orchestra as well. And at a small place, even though I am not a great French horn player, I still got to do a lot of really fun band related stuff. As she mentioned, we were participated in some extracurriculars together, the main one being Ultimate Frisbee. So I started playing Ultimate Frisbee my freshman year. And part of that, I think, was with the encouragement from your husband, who was really into Ultimate Frisbee, transferred in. And then I had met him on our or trip, and he had encouraged me to come out. That, that seems likely. I think they just also needed women, and they had a tournament in Columbia, Missouri. Oh, yeah where I'm from. And so then I think it was like, oh, we need women and she's from here. Maybe we can stay at her parents' house if we get her to join the team, which was true. And we did. <laughs> I also got roped into doing cross country for one meet because they looked up records, I think, and found out that I had run cross country my senior year of high school and they needed one more person. So I ran like in the district or some kind of race my freshman year after not training at all. And right after giving blood, it was all terrible. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I did not add much to that team, I can tell you that. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, I started doing Ultimate and I was terrible, like really, really bad. But they still wanted me to play because they still needed women. <laughs> so I got to keep going and I was very determined. So I did improve over time. And then tell me when you joined. I started playing sophomore year. So I had been, you know, friends with lots of people on the Frisbee team the first year and I came out to watch you and I remember you just telling me like about practice and how it was so cold and you dropped every disc oh yeah it was so bad <laughs> but I wasn't that interested in in playing myself until I went home to Dallas for that summer and I started playing in Dallas right and then I came out to Frisbee fall of sophomore year and that's I think you know we had m many more interested women yeah so that we started the team the women's team. I think it was second semester. And then I co-captained that team with another friend of ours the second semester. And then I left to go abroad my junior year. And then you were captain the following two years after that. Yes. But I would say that Ultimate really dominated a lot of our social life at Hendrix. It was defining. Yeah. Defining extracurricular activity. Both of our husbands also were on the Ultimate team. Yep. And there are many more ultimate marriages yeah. that came out of the Hendrix ultimate team. Especially during our tenure there. Mm -hmm. I think that it might be less so now. I think there was just a, I don't know what was happening then. Well, we did much more together. Yeah. it's We started out playing mixed. Yeah. Basically, because there were still mixed college teams or open because there weren't enough women. Yeah. So we started out and we always traveled together. You know, it wasn't like the women are going to this tournament, the men are going to this tournament. We always went to the same place. Yeah. So we were just together a lot and we were away from campus a lot. We were accused of being a cult. It's true. And one thing that I'm glad that I did, because Ultimate dominated a lot of my weekends, a lot of my time. We practiced many days a week. But I was also part of the what was then called the Lilly Program. I think now it is called the Miller Initiative there. I think that's right. So through the Lilly Program, um, Abby and I both did some mission trips there that are social justice focused. And we also participated in fellowship, which was every week there was a home cooked meal and you can just come 
eat the home cooked meal. My senior year, I was actually the fellowship cook. That was my on campus job was making the meal on Thursday nights for everybody. So through them, I just found a lot of great friends and a great place to figure out what those next steps are that a lot of the focus was on vocation. Like, what are we called to do in this world? What is life going to look like after college? How do we want to shape that? And trying to provide tools for students to answer those questions. It was just really wonderful to eat food that was not food in the cafeteria. Pretty much everyone eats in the cafeteria all the time at Hendricks, or at least that's how it was when we were there. And so it was really nice to eat food that wasn't that. And the people that led fellowship were just really wonderful. It was nice to be seen by them, you know, in a different context than academic and then frisbee and then band. It was just like, show up, come as you are, and you're great, and we welcome you. So it was really special. Yeah. Let's go ahead. You mentioned the cafeteria briefly. Let's chat about what eating, we'll start with eating life and then also talking about just the living, like where people live on campus. So the Hendricks Cafeteria is a very special place because it's the only dining hall on campus. So many big places have multiple dining halls. And I think even places that are similar in size to Hendricks have multiple dining halls, you know, in the basement of a residence hall or somewhere else. But there was one central Hendricks cafeteria that everybody ate in. And there was a little snack bar that was around the corner from it that you could get things like French fries. But most people were, if they were eating on campus, they were eating it in the cafeteria. And the most wonderful people to welcome you into the cafeteria. So Miss Mimi is one who was usually swiping cards or scanning cards when you're coming in. And then the cafeteria servers were just really wonderful and got to know us and recognized us and asked us about things going on in our lives. And then there are also special traditions in the cafeteria. Yeah, when it's your birthday, your name's written on the board, and then they come bring out a cake and sing to you. Like the cafeteria workers come do that for everybody when it's their birthday. It's just really fun. And there's another fun tradition called disco trays, Mm -hmm. which are these special trays that probably originated in the 70s because they're kind of sparkly. So, you know, those plastic cafeteria trays, but these had sparkles in them and there were only a few, maybe like, what do you think, 10 in like the whole stack of trays or more? Maybe. I wouldn't say, yeah, not even quite that many. So under 10. So if you got a disco tray as you were going through the line and one came up and it was your turn and that was the tray that you were going to get, then you got it and it was good luck but you can't steal luck so if you see a disco tray several down you can't like reach down and get it and you also can't let people go in front of you so that then you can get it because that's cheating and the disco tray luck will not smile upon you it is true yeah I love that the cafeteria was just like you said everybody ate there as we'll mention most people live on campus most people are eating at the cafeteria even not just freshmen sophomores juniors seniors you're all still eating all your meals at the cafeteria. My husband still says that he misses the Hendrix cafeteria when we talk about Hendrix. He does? What does he miss? Oh my gosh, yes. I know, because I'm saying, like, hmm, is there a problem with the food that we're eating in our house? Um, but for him, it was the large variety all the time mm. that he just loved. He's like, I had donuts for breakfast every morning. I'm just loving being able to go in and get anything you want, no cleanup, None of the responsibilities that come with cooking your own food, of which he participates in all of that. But 
I think that's why he really misses the cafeteria is he didn't have to do anything but show up and eat whatever food he wanted. Yeah, I, I totally sympathize with that. I also, I mean, I ate donuts occasionally. Like I would usually eat a donut the morning that I had a test. Mm. That was like a reward for about to be taking the test because usually I had studied almost all night. Yeah. So I would let myself eat a donut then. Mostly I ate cereal or oatmeal yeah. for breakfast. But what I really miss is having constant access to french fries <laughs> i made a lot of cheese fries where i would get fries from the you know junk food line you know fill a plate with fries then get cheese from the salad bar and microwave it in one of the microwaves <laughs> that was there and then i would get like a huge bowl of ranch dressing i remember the ranch and, yes <laughs> and dip vast quantities of them so also, so everybody eats at the Hendricks cafeteria, but everybody also lives on campus. It is not unusual for seniors to still be living in the dorms. So they also have something called houses on campus where they're, you're in a suite and there's two single rooms and a double room, and then you all share a bathroom. And then there's also a shared common space. Um, and those are on campus. And so starting sophomore year, Abby and I both moved to those. But most people, I mean, I knew, had lots of friends who lived in the dorms all four years. It was unusual to move off campus and you actually had to apply to do it and they didn't let very many people do it. And now I think they may have changed that because there's so many more students and they're building so many more different types of housing. And I think that the the situation is different. But when we lived there, I mean, I think the college basically said, we have space to house you. And so you will be housed here. <laughs> also, there, was, there weren't many great options to live off campus. Just in terms of the size of town that Conway is, you know, and accessibility, like pretty much what was happening in the part of town where we were was Hendricks. So if you weren't on campus, you were very slightly off. Let's talk about what we love most about going to Hendricks or our college experience in general. This is a great question. And I don't know if everyone had this experience in college, but I feel like our group of friends was just so wonderful and became like family. A lot of it was because many of them were Frisbee players and we were traveling together and eating together and were together pretty much all the time. But even the larger Hendricks community, I think while we were there to me felt very welcoming, very safe, even if it wasn't, you know, really close friends eating at the same time as you, you could always find someone to eat with, you know, and have an enjoyable conversation. There's a beautiful pecan grove with crushed pecan shells that people just like sit and visit. And so sort of how community happens in a spontaneous way there, I think, is the thing that I loved most about it. Yeah, I would say the same. It's just the community aspect of it. And it was that, yes, we had great friends. But I, yeah, like you're saying, I always you just knew everyone on campus and you felt welcomed. And I enjoyed conversations with all different people there and yeah it just really felt very comfortable in a good way like that 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 aspect of it felt really safe and it didn't feel um, like a struggle it just felt like there were all kinds of people everybody could find their group and everybody was supportive of each other that it didn't feel like this social dynamic I didn't feel a lot of tension there and then I think that opened it up to really explore other questions while you're in college and like what you want to study and where you're headed after this and that you weren't as bogged down with kind of the social aspects of it. I feel like that's the gift of the community there. Conversely, talking about what we liked least about Hendricks, 
I think it's a lot of the same things that stem from that is Hendrix is very much a bubble and it was a great bubble, but I really felt that and I was really ready to leave my junior year. It was hard to leave because of that the closeness and I really felt like I was going to be missing out to be gone, but I was I needed to be in some place that felt more like the real world to me and even though study abroad isn't exactly that. And then I think when I came back my senior year, I was so ready to participate in the community again, but I think it can feel stifling because it is Everybody lives on campus. Everyone eats on campus. Everyone has all their classes together. Like It's literally a bubble. People cannot leave the Hendricks campus for weeks and weeks at a time. And so it's that's a good thing about it. And it's also the worst thing about it. And I didn't grow up in a small town, but I imagine it's a lot like being in a small town. I think maybe there was a This American Life episode about being in a small town and how everybody knows your business. And that can be amazing because if you need support, then there's people, you don't have to explain yourself. Mm -hmm. You just show up and you can get support, but it can also be terrible. For instance, when you stop dating someone and there's only one cafeteria and there are set times that the cafeteria is serving meals that are two hour windows that you're going to see that person every single day. In some cases that can be really hurtful and hard. And then I also think something that is about the bubble, not necessarily the smallness of it, but that it was mostly people like us. Yep. It was mostly white people from middle class to upper middle class backgrounds, mostly from states close by. So I'm from Texas. Sarah's from Missouri. These are both states that border Arkansas. So I don't know how much difference of opinion we really got exposed to. Which I think you can say good things and bad things about that. But I I don't know that it was as challenging as college can be. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. It's a very liberal school. For example, in the 2004 election, Arkansas was voting to make marriage only between a man and a woman. And the Hendricks College precinct was the only precinct in the state of Arkansas that voted against it. Um, Obviously, other people voted against it, but an entire precinct to vote against it. It was just a... A very liberal place, which can be great, but I think it can also make you intellectually lazy. And I experienced that also in the religion department. It was very liberal. And I think that people that held more conservative beliefs felt unwelcome there. So this spring will be our 10-year reunion. And I think some of our friends are going to be trying to make it out to campus for that. Uh, My husband's family is from Conway, so we actually end up going back there fairly often, but this year we'll be meeting up with some other folks there. Do you have any thoughts 10 years later? I'm excited because Hendricks has changed a lot since we were there. They've done a lot of building. The cafeteria as we know it is no more. Yep. There is a There's still only one cafeteria, I think, but it's in a different building, a, a new building that wasn't there when we were there, and it's upstairs. I'm excited about that, and I'm excited to get back together with friends to have us all in one place again. We've done a couple reunion type events with our friend group here and there, but we haven't necessarily gathered everyone at once. And to be back sort of where it all began, I think will be really special. Yeah, I'm excited to to go back with other folks because I go back, as I said, often, but yeah, haven't been back with friends. And I think for me, thinking about it being 10 years, on the one hand, it doesn't feel that long ago. But then I think I've gotten married, gotten a graduate degree, and grown two human beings who are now capable talking. Not uh, medium capable. (laughs) They're learning to be capable. (laughs) 
human beings in the world. They are on their way. They are. Those children. Indeed. Yeah. It feels really long to me. Yeah. I mean, people who say, oh, I can't believe it's been 10 years. The time has just flown by. I mean, the time has flown by in some senses, but it I feel like a very different person yeah. than I was when I graduated from Hendrix and even more so than when I began. Yeah. I think for me, I look back and you know we were talking very fondly about our memories and our time there and how we had a very good college experience. And that is all true. But I don't for a second wish that I was back there in that time in my life, that I am much happier to be where I am now. And it was great. And I loved it. And I, I felt that even leaving, I was ready to move on. I felt like I could sense it then. Like, this was a great time in my life. And now I'm ready to be in the real world, or at least to be outside of that bubble. And ultimately, I'm glad that I chose Hendrix and chose that kind of college experience, because I do think it's a really unique and very privileged experience to get to have to be in a community like that for four years. But I'm, I'm happier to be where I am now. I feel the same way, I think, sort of looking back on any time in my life and specifically at college, I feel so much gratitude for the growth that I underwent during that time. Yes. And so much gratitude that I don't have to go back and do it again. Yeah. That it's really good that I feel like I'm moving forward in my life and that I'm better able to manage my mood now, for instance, Mm -hmm. and that I think like you do, you become more of an adult. And I think I prefer my adult self to who I was then. That person is obviously part of me, but I'm glad that I have maybe expanded beyond what I was then. And I would choose Hendrix again. You know, I think that was the absolute right decision for me at the time. And like I said, I feel a lot of gratitude for the experience that it was and for where it has brought me. Well said. Are you ready to move into our final segment about what we're eating? I am so ready to talk about what we're eating. All right. Well, this is the segment where we talk about what we've been eating. I'll go ahead and start us off here. So we will have an episode devoted to food and what we like to eat and how we cook in general. But I'm just going to go ahead and give a little teaser that... I love the Instant Pot, which is an electric pressure cooker, and I make almost all my meals in that now. And this is no exception. So lately, we've been eating a lot of red lentil soup in the Instant Pot. So it's just red lentils, onions, garlic, ginger, coconut milk, tomatoes, and curry powder. And then I just set the Instant Pot, let it all cook. I also love to do this with a fried egg on top with the runny yolk. Neil also has his on the soup. The kids prefer theirs separate. But it's a really easy meal, which is my favorite. It's one of the ones where we almost always have all the ingredients on hand. So if I don't know what we're going to cook, then I just can make this. We actually had it last night because I just was looking. I didn't know what we were going to eat. And then through all the stuff in there, I can make it in just a few minutes while chatting with my son after he's up from his rest before my daughter wakes up from her nap and then it's ready to go. Do you blend it or are the lentils whole? I don't blend it, but with the red lentils, they basically turn to mush. Turn to nothing. Yeah. It's pretty smooth, I would say. And is this a recipe you found somewhere else or did you make it up? Pretty much just made it up. Nice. So I also am going to talk about a dish that I make in the Instant Pot. 
Sarah turned me on to Instant Pots. We'll tell the whole Instant Pot origin story of our lives in the episode where we talk about food. But my dish that we have been eating, and I actually made a huge amount of this last Saturday, and then we ate it for lunch all week, is black beans and Mexican rice. And the Mexican rice, I don't make in the Instant Pot, even though you can, because I'm usually doing the rice and the beans at the same time. Okay. So I do the Mexican rice on the stove and I use brown rice and we can link to a recipe that I modified to make the rice. But the black beans, you just throw them dry into the Instant Pot with water and seasonings and then cook them for 40 minutes and then they're ready. And so it's just beans ladled over rice. And the awesome thing about this is that my daughter loves black beans and she can almost pick them up herself, which is pretty exciting. Good practice. So it's a meal that the whole family can enjoy. Um, and it's also a really economical meal. So we put the rice in a bowl, then put the beans on top, then put cheese. Because we put cheese on everything at our house, basically. <laughs> what spices do you use in your black bean? I usually put a dried chili of some kind in there. And then smoked paprika, garlic, onion, bay leaf. Maybe a few other, maybe some cumin. Sort of depends what's on hand. And I don't usually measure things. I just like freestyle it, throw them in there. Nice. We also love black beans and rice with our Instant Pot. That's a in regular rotation. But I don't add as many spices. I might have to try that next time to flavor the black beans a little better than usual. I, I backed off on the spices because I didn't want to overwhelm the baby. Mm-hmm. But she seemed fine with what it was. So I may like up it again. Yeah. Start them young. Yeah. Does Andrew do spicy food or not? Mm-hmm. He does. Yeah, okay. he likes spicy food. I'm the only spicy food eater in my family, so I usually have to just have that on the side. Temper things. Mm-hmm. I think that's all for this episode of Friendlier. Sarah, it's been great talking with you and with all of you listeners. If you'd like to join in the conversation or offer suggestions for future topics, you can find us online at friendlierpodcast.com or on Instagram at friendlierpodcast. Or you can email us friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. I feel like I can do it. I feel like I can talk about the segments. I just need a minute. Did you think I was going to say something? I thought I maybe was too, but then I didn't.